Don't think healthcare professionals have any business experience? Think again. No topic is off limits as we share tales from our brave hosts who will always tell it like it is. We are hashtag no filter healthcare here to guide you through your healthcare journey are your hosts, Taylor Dunn and Tamara Donda. We want to thank our sponsor Uptime Health, the leading healthcare equipment and compliance management software company for bringing this podcast to fruition. Visit UptimeHealth.com to learn more. Let's get started. Welcome to hashtag no filter healthcare. I'm your co-host Taylor Dunn. And I'm your other co-host, Tamara Donda, and we are so happy to have Patrice Pash, who is the Director of Client Operations for Medical Practice Success. Welcome. Thank you, ladies. It's my pleasure to be here. Appreciate yeah. you both. Of course. Yeah. Patrice and I actually go way back. <laughs> so <laughs> That's always, true. <laughs> I always love reconnecting and just seeing you know, what you've been up to. Um, so not only do Patrice and I know each other from working in the urgent care industry, but most recently, Patrice and her team at MPS have become partners of Uptime Health. So we've got a growing theme here. We've been inviting a lot of our partners on the podcast, but we are loving it. So <laughs> Patrice, um, you know, we'd love to have you give our listeners just a little background on you and then also what services MPS provides. Sure, I'd be pleased to. Thank you. Um, well, for myself, um, yeah, I guess to me, like most people, it's probably just boring, but um, I've been in healthcare literally all my life. Um, I, I've not done anything else, which my husband likes to remind me, you know, that I never had one of those uh, fast food jobs or something like that. But uh, um, I started off as a paramedic firefighter, kind of uh, worked my way up through the ranks there um, for, for about a decade, and then uh, went back to school, got my nursing degree. Um, worked in a variety of different, um, you know, specialties, uh, but landed in urgent care, um, gosh, 15 plus odd years ago, maybe more than that now, and um, was very lucky to um, have a, uh, a co-student of mine that we were in nursing school that, that happened to work for um, a growing chain of urgent cares back in the day in Northern Illinois. And, um, and I can even remember thinking to myself at the time, it's like, you know, what's somebody like me going to do in an urgent care? You know, this is back in the mid to late 90s and urgent care was very fledgling at that time and um, maybe didn't always have the best reputation. Not like now. People didn't know it well enough. And, you know, some of the somewhat negative euphemisms of dock in a box and you guys have probably all heard. But um, but I was very lucky um, to have known one of the owners who was an ER physician and, and uh, one of my good friends. Um, and she convinced me to join up. I was uh, admittedly a little burned out at the time and um, got into urgent care. And I guess basically you'd have to say never look back. Um, the group that I worked for, um, as I mentioned, was expanding rapidly. And um, right about that time is almost about the same time that UCA originally started up. And, and so they were very instrumental. Um, a lot of the owners and some of the principals there were very instrumental in that organization back in the early days. So um, got involved with UCA, got involved with um, new practice startups and consulting, and you know the rest, I guess, as they say, is somewhat history. Been doing that for um, you know about the last fifteen plus odd years ever since. Um, don't do much uh, actual patient nursing anymore, unless you count my family, which uh, keeps me busy like most. Um, now uh, working for MPS is a little bit of a change for me. It's a little more focused in the RCM world. Um, that's first and foremost what MPS, which actually stands for Medical Practice Success, um, is concerned with. But um, at, a, at a larger arena, not just, you know, working claims, submitting claims and so forth, we also really try to help our clients, um, you know, um, 
expand their practices and be more efficient with their practices and so forth. So there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into what we do. We do a lot of, um, I guess you would say, sort of ancillary services in addition just to the RCM. So uh, that's that's a new realm for me to learn more specifically. Yeah, and you forgot to mention all the speaking engagements that you've had over the years. Uh, well, yeah, I guess I, <laughs> I don't think about them sometimes. You know, with COVID, you know, we haven't really done much as far as um, shows and and conferences and speaking engagements. I've done a few podcasts and webinars and and things of that nature. And um, I write quite a bit. Um, most of it just ends up on our website, but we do some other things with it. But yeah, um, you know, I guess prior to COVID, um, I was speaking quite a bit at at various organizations, whether it was UCA or, or, you know, AFP, things like that. Um, so hopefully we're going to get back into that again soon. I know a lot of folks are looking forward to the upcoming UCA conference and a lot of the other conferences are now starting back up. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed, uh, no more variants and things like that. Exactly. But for now we've got you on this podcast, so <laughs> we're lucky to have you here. Um, but so in case you're, you're new to this, we are hashtag no filter healthcare. Um, and we just want to spend a little bit of time uncovering those hidden stories um, within our guest speakers that led them to the person that they are today. So, Patrice, I know you're laughing, but can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what made you decide that healthcare was truly your calling? I know you gave us a little intro into how you ended up in urgent care, but how did you start off in your career? Well, I, I guess the piece that a lot of people don't know is um, I grew up in Florida. Um, I originally wanted to be a marine biologist, but my dad at that time, he's, he's passed away now, obviously, but um, he's just like, oh, no, you can't be a marine biologist. Like, nobody's going to make any money in marine biology. You need to go into medicine. And and so I kind of listened to him. And my, my first um, passion, I guess, if you want to say, was, was not really to take care of patients. Um, I was a little more focused on, you know, doing research and things of that nature. And that's what I went to school for. And while I was in school... Um, because I was like most a, a starving student looking for a good job, um, I got on with a an ambulance squad, a, a rescue squad at that time as a as an EMT, and then sort of worked my way up. Um, and then the the adrenaline junkie bug, I guess, hit me. Not that I probably wasn't there a little bit before. Um, I'd always been fairly active and and doing things like scuba diving and various water sports, surfing, things of that nature. So it it wasn't a far push for me to, um, you know, want to get into EMS services. Um, so I finished out school and at that time, and I'm not going to tell you what year, cause it's probably before either you or Tamara were even born, but, um, <laughs> to say that uh, the hair coloring is doing a good job right today. But, um, uh, at that time, um, they were, they were really pushing a lot of women getting into fire EMS services. And so um, I went down to Miami and, um, you know, sort of took them up on that. And at first was mostly just doing paramedic stuff. But then as time went on, got more even onto the fire side of things and uh, worked on the fire department for I don't know, roughly 10 years um, and then relocated. But that was probably the first bug. I mean, it was it was a. I still will not say that it was like, you know, some people say like, oh, I just really wanted to help people. I wanted to take care of patients and so forth. Um, that really wasn't it for me. I just really loved medicine. I still love medicine. The idea of how the human body works, especially when it works right and when it doesn't work right, um, is just, um, it's just fiercely in interesting to me. Um, you know, I, I, I'm that geeky person that, you know, wants to see, 
the the new things that are coming down the line and like open hearts and and what have you so um that's kind of where it always was and and fire ems i think was just a really good way for for somebody like me to just like get into the trenches and um you know literally get my hands wet which sounds gross but it was kind of true back then in oh, those I days and so, yeah, i don't, I don't think you're the only one. one that got the marine biologist shut down when you were a kid i think i got that one <laughs> <as> well, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, maybe my dad had a good idea. I'm sure that he was probably much smarter about it than, than you know, his 18-year-old daughter was at the time. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sure he steered me properly considering where I am now. I'm not sure I would, uh, uh, at my age and, and experience, be out there, you know, swimming with shampoo or something like that. So um, he, was, he was probably a smart man to that regard. Yeah, well, that's great. So um, one of the things we wanted to talk about, um, so Taylor and I just got back from Women in DSO, which was an awesome uh, conference in Las Vegas. And kind of the idea behind all of the conversations was mentorship, right? And how important it is to have a mentor or a few mentors, right, in your life and kind of driving you along your journey. Um, did you have anything like that? Like any similar experiences with mentors that kind of helped you shape, um, you know, your career and kind of what you're doing now? Absolutely. Um, and I've told the story several times. Um, people that know me have heard this, but um, I, I would not nearly be doing what I do now or have the knowledge that I have now um, if it hadn't been for working for um, and with Dr. John Kaler at that time was the owner of Physicians Media Care, and I know you know now they're sold off to private equity and so forth. He's still extremely active um, in the Ahmed world and 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 so forth. But um, I was extremely fortunate to have landed with a group, um, he and his partners at that time, that um, you know they had a vision and they knew where they wanted to take um, urgent care and occupational medicine, which you know in the '90s, like I said, was just kind of unheard of. Um, and, um, they, they definitely had a standard, but how I kind of got into the urgent care startup and, and consulting realm back in the day was, you know, Dr. Kaler just kind of, um, I'm going to do the abridged version, but basically just tossing me his cell phone one day and just going here, talk to this doctor. He has questions about, you know, how to start up his new practice and you've done it half a dozen times for physicians, media care, whatever. You, know, you can answer all this. If you get stuck, just let me know. And, and you know that that was the um, the whole impetus to to where my career kind of took off. Um, but so many of those physicians that I worked with there, Dr. Kaler, um, Dr. Buzzer, Dr. Stern, Dr. Chaffin, um, you know they they were very good about sharing information, which I think you know kind of leads to just where the industry in particular um, really is. And and I've said this a million times that. I think urgent care in particular, most urgent care owners and operators, physicians, so forth, um, compared to other specialties, they're just very willing to share information. They're willing to, you know, if you have a question on something, they'll say, well, this is what I did. This is what I saw somewhere else. And, um, and to that point, I was very lucky that, that that's the way that Dr. Kaler was. Not only was he a visionary, but um, he, he didn't have a problem with answering questions and being passionate and sharing that type of stuff. So... And I think um, another, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important, you know, to have those mentors in your life. And it's funny how many people suffer from that, not having that, you know, and I think it's not only just about finding a physician because it could be anybody, right? Oh, it could absolutely. be your cousin, yeah. a friend, a person walking down the street. So, um, you know, all of those things is, uh, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm hoping our listeners take that and, and get a, a, 
a mentor, maybe a few on their way. Well, and I, I can agree with you more. I mean, I, I think one of the things that we sort of do, um, you know, in our industry sometimes, just as a whole, I don't mean urgent care necessarily, but just in the medical industry, um, and I think especially too sometimes for the women that are in the industry, although I think that ceiling is being lifted more and more day after day, year after year, but, um, you know, it's it's not just, you know, the good old boys club anymore that, that it might have been 20, 30, whatever plus years ago. But unfortunately, and, and I'm going to speak a little bit more specifically to the nursing industry, um, the nursing industry that I came up in, and I still hear this out of new grads that I that I know that um, I, I think you guys have probably heard this euphemism where it's like, you know, they, they eat their young. And to me, that's that's just not the way to promote where um, our industry is going, where, you know, maybe our specialties of nursing or what have you are going. Um, and, and I've always kind of tried to subscribe to the idea of like, I, I remember those days. I remember not knowing. I remember not sure who to ask for what information. And even still to today, there's new stuff that comes around. And I'm always trying to surround myself with people who are domain experts. And I will just, I will leech them dry. <laughs> I will learn everything that I can possibly learn. But the flip side of that is, again, you know, you need to have those people out there that are willing to share that information and not act like, oh, you know, I don't want to give up that piece or somehow it reduces me. I don't think it reduces me in the, in the least. And I work with some of our um, female staff here and um, I'm constantly trying to share what I've learned, um, anything that I hear, um, you know, build up that bench strength within the organization because, um, you know, anything could happen to any one of us. And um, to me, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is important to note is that you're not going to just rely on one mentor in your life. It's going to be multiple people that you have to find just different skill sets that they all have and how it can mold you into who you want to become um, and how to better yourself. So, And I think because different people affect you different ways. I mean, obviously, you know, in, in my instance, I, I got a lot of, of, I'll say, sort of technical mentorship. Um, but you know, even my father, I mean, I, I, I know it's like, oh, it's your father, it's your parent, but they, they mentor you in other ways. Um, you know, like from a work ethic standpoint or what have you, um, I definitely, you know, saw that in my father and there was a, there were, he raised me in, in such a manner that was like, um, you know, the, this is what you do. This is how you behave. This is the quality of your work is, is sort of like how you get known, um, how you treat others, how you treat clients, how you treat patients, um, all of those things. And, and I think we take those little bits and pieces, whether it's something maybe in your spiritual life and you have somebody that you look to for guidance there or something in your personal life, maybe marriage as couples, you, you look at someone and you just say like, oh, like look what they did or they didn't do. Um, so I would agree with both you ladies. I think, I don't think there's ever just one person in your life. I think we get affected every single day by the people that we choose to keep company with. And, and conversely, it's very important that you also have to know like when not to choose company of certain people um, because of perhaps the negative effect that they'll have. Yeah, and when to move on too, you know. Some of them are kind of there for one step, but may not be for the yeah, next. I mean, so. you're constantly yeah. growing. So, you know, just like anything in your possession, whether it's clothes or your home or, you know, the type of car, whatever, you know, your, your needs change over time. So why would it not be the same in the company and the people you associate with and learn from that, that would change over time as well? Exactly. So I know you're going to laugh at this, but I 
consider you an influential woman in the healthcare industry. And I know you are. So um, I'd like you to just take a moment. I know, I know you've been really vulnerable with us already, but just to tell us, you know, some of what you find to be your strengths, but also what are some of the weaknesses that you currently are aware of and how are you learning to improve upon them? Because I feel like we're always learning how to better ourselves. That's absolutely, a tough question. Absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's always a growth segment. I mean, right? Like if, you know, grow or die. I mean, if you're not growing, you're, you're, you're stagnant, you're dying. Um, weaknesses is really pretty easy. And, and I, I, I'm sure that what I'm about to say is not going to be foreign concept either to you ladies or to any, anyone else sitting out there, whether they're male or female. But I think for females, we tend to do this, um, more than the males do perhaps. But for me, um, it's, it's trying to, uh, I'm going to say two things and maybe they're a little blood, blood over, but, um, either trying to be a perfectionist or, um, just not knowing how to say no, like trying to be all do all everything in all facets of my life. Um, and I think that's a, a real common thing. I think that's not even something that's new. You know, we've talked about women that work and they're at home and they have children and they have, they're trying to balance work, child life and work, family life, work, husband life. And, and then still at the end of the day say, oh, well, I took at least a half an hour for myself to do something I enjoy. And, um, I, I think for me, that's the toughest thing is to, to give myself a break and just say, you know what? It's okay that you didn't get this done today. I mean, I get deadlines and all of that, but you know, when when your to-do list has 20 things on it and you knock off two but add five, it's oh, just yeah. you're always in that, that deficit. And oh yeah. For those of you that are watching the video or, or I'm sorry, are listening to the audio, I'm raising my hand like it's happening. I'm that person. <laughs> 1000%. I think where we are even in our society right now, that is definitely getting better for women. And in another respect, I think that whole idea that, you know, um, that men can do a job and, you know, I, I don't know how to equate this, but it's like, if a man does a job and he does a great job, that's like great. But for women, like we have to do it like 20% better than the men do or something like that. I think there's still a little bit of that out there culturally that, um, you know, if they get a 90, we have to get 110 <laughs> type of thing. And, and maybe that's false. And maybe that's just something that is ingrained into my brain that, you know, I'm trying very hard to, um, find that balance still, even at this stage of my life, this stage of my career, find that balance, um, find the time for myself, realize that it's not a bad thing to take time for myself, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't really think that's unique to me. I think there's just a lot of people out there that struggle with that. They're probably all shaking their not heads. Sure. <laughs> not sure. In a way, it kind of makes you feel good, I will say, because it's like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. This is not just a weird problem. This is, you know, something. And I think, you know, to tell that back in, I think that's just another reason that being a good mentor to the some of the young ladies that are kind of coming behind me is just to sometimes say to them, like, look, you know, you, you have to find that balance. Try to find that balance now because it doesn't get easier as you get older. I will try. The habits become ingrained. Yeah. And I think we, we always, um, I guess to the other part of your question, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but I feel like the podcast sometimes lags for the listeners that are like, why do they keep talking over each other? But <laughs> go, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> sorry guys. No, I was just about to say, you know, and, and I guess to the other half of that question from a strength standpoint, um, I think this is something that has carried out of my actual nursing practice is, you know, you try to do, 
what's in the best interest, what's the right thing to do, not necessarily the convenient thing. So um, I, I try to be, you know, where I put myself in, in the shoes of, of our clients and so forth and understand what their needs are, why they're frustrated. I think sometimes people are just like, oh, that client just, you know, ripped into me or what have you, but what's the motivation behind that? And you don't always know. You don't know if, if they're having issues at the business, if they're bringing in home issues to the business issues. So I try not to really take that personally and just look at it very black and white from what does the client need? What does the patient need? Um, you know, you want to see these folks be successful because to me, that's, I, I take that as the ultimate goal of success is the people that I work with are successful. And I had some part of that, um, you know, maybe it's a little voyeuristic or something, but I feel like, yeah, okay, I, I did my job. I did it really well. Um, and I think that's hard. Um, you, you just, you don't want anyone to learn lessons the painful way, whether that's your children or, you know, anyone else, you, you want to try to just be as helpful as you can without literally babysitting them. But I would say from the strength standpoint, I think that's one of the things that, that, that I tend to do a little bit better maybe than average. Love it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us today. Um, you know, I think we know, you know, how important it is to learn from other individuals, especially successful women in this industry. I think we all kind of took that away from our, our uh, interview with you today, um, that we're just so lucky to hear from you and learn about you and your stories and kind of how you've grown within your career. And I know that we are going to take that and hopefully improve our own careers and our own journeys along Wonderful. the way. Well, thank you ladies very much. It's always my pleasure. Taylor knows um, I'm, I'm always at her beck and call if she needs something. So thank you for uh, having me on the show. Of course. And I'm just going to say this. I think my favorite quote is grow or die. So that might be the, the name of the <laughs> I love it. I don't think I can That's take credit for that. Title. I'm probably it somewhere else. So I don't want to get sued by anyone. We're like, you stole my quote. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. Not copyrighted. Great, so. Not copyrighted. So, uh, but you if, you, if you'd like to learn more, make sure you visit uh, medpracticesuccess.com. Um, and then also make sure you subscribe to our podcast or comment below if you have any questions for us. Thanks, Patrice.